Revolutionary Talk for Revolutionary Times. Liberty Talk FM. Today I have a very special guest on who I'm very excited to speak with because what she's doing is educating all of us about what's going on on the college campuses, which I think if anybody's paying any attention, it's pretty shocking. I want to welcome Ms. Jennifer Cabani. She's the editor of The College Fix, a publication of the Student Free Press Association. From 2002 to 2013, she worked in various capacities for the North County Times and San Diego Union Tribune newspapers as a City Hall education and features reporter, as well as a weekly education columnist. Previously, she served as associate editor of Front Page Magazine, as well as held editorial positions at the Weekly Standard and the Washington Times. She's also a Robert Novak Journalism uh, Fellowship recipient and has contributed to National Review. She graduated from San Diego State University, where she served as editor-in-chief of the Daily Aztec, and Ms. Cabani, I want to thank you so much for coming on. It's just an honor and a pleasure to have you on the show today. Likewise. Let's get right into it. I'm, I found the college fix actually by listening uh, to Tucker Carlson, and he had guests on, and it made me start reading the, the, the blog and the website and all of the articles that you've pulled together. And I really realize I don't know anything about what's going on in on the college level. And this is our future. These are the people who are going to become the future leaders of our country. And the things I saw, people screeching when they didn't have their point of view. Um, someone had a different point of view or wanted to debate them. There was no debate. And to me, it seems like this is it's being encouraged. So, one, I want to thank you for coming on. And two, I want to ask you, how did you fall upon this this uh, this pathway and your decision to let everybody know what's going on. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's, it's an honor and pleasure to be here as well. And yeah, I'm excited to share information on you know, what's going on on our college campuses today because what I like to say is this is a major battleground for the heart and the soul and the mind of America. You know, there's three there's three major battlegrounds. There's pop culture, there's the media, and then there's public education. And so what we do is we are sounding the alarm on uh, some of the craziness that's just going on on our college campus today, how they're really twisting the original intent of higher education and, frankly, turning them into indoctrination camps. So I, as you mentioned, I, I've been a reporter for uh, almost 20 years, just a regular mainstream uh, reporter at my uh, 100,000 circulation daily campus or, or mainstream city newspaper. But I had uh, early on in my career worked in Washington, D.C. And so when I met somebody who had started the college fix and was working at the college fix, I decided to uh, join knowing you know, it was a virtual office and it would be a chance to work with young people, teach them the craft of journalism, mm -hmm. as well as report on uh, some of the higher education trends we're seeing today. So I, I joined the College Fix in, in 2012, about two, about two years after it had launched, and we've been going strong ever since. Every single day, reporting on um, some of the eyebrow-raising stories you hear about on Tucker Carlson, that you read about on the Drudge Report or Fox News, 
constantly sounding an alarm on on some of these trends and, and the crisis truly in higher education. You know, when you look at some of these articles, like there's um, people should go to the website, thecollegefix.com. One of the main articles right on the front page is the fact that the university got involved to hide evidence that would that was ex- exculpatory for one of the students. The students was expelled. The college knew that the, the accuser didn't tell the truth and they did nothing to help the or to, to tell the truth and actually stop this. This seems to me like the, the universities have become, I, I wouldn't say, for lack of a better way, lawless. It's not like it's it, it's totally divorced from the rest of society, innocent until proven guilty, you know, due process. These things don't even exist anymore, it seems, on the college campuses. Yeah, so what we're seeing right now, and this has been a, a huge problem, and this is one of the topics we cover, are these campus kangaroo courts where um, in, under the Obama administration, they changed the standards to find a student guilty of sexual assault or, or rape. It made it easier for, for campus officials to deem that a student committed those acts. And so uh, the students lost a lot of their rights to, you know, cross-examine their accuser, to bring a, an attorney to the, you know, mini court trial on campus, um, to present their own evidence. And so um, the, the erosion of due process on college campuses, and, and frankly, for mostly for men who are accused, and, and by and large, a lot of them are, are men of color, mm-hmm. um, has, has, has been incredibly dramatic. And um, under under Trump and Betsy DeVos, that tide is, the pendulum is starting to swing back because she, she revoked those uh, Obama guidelines, but still the damage has been done. There have been hundreds of lawsuits filed against universities by young men who have just seen their college careers completely derailed and railroaded over false allegations. And um, thankfully, they're winning in court, and you'd think these, these universities would wise up. But as you mentioned, this article today, college hid evidence that accuser invented rape to get out of punishment for drinking. Um, that's the, what the lawsuit alleges. Uh, you know, we just again and again, uh, they're continuing to run these uh, campus tribunals and um, refusing truly to allow these students, mostly men, the right to have due process. So that's one of the big issues that we've seen. Um, you know, another one is the free speech issue, mm-hmm. where uh, you know students um, are afraid to speak out, uh, lest they be ostracized by their peers, attacked by their peers, uh, docked by gra- on their grades by professors. Um, you know, they invite a, a guest speaker and it, it, the guest speaker is either disinvited or a huge protest, um, you know, forces the cancellation of the speech or, um, you know, that they force the students to hire extra, extra security at a huge cost mm-hmm. to, to, you know, to defend the event. So there's such a, such a huge amount of issues facing the free speech battle on college campuses today. So that's another one. Um, you know, we have identity politics where, Everything is viewed through the race of lens, sexuality, and gender, and political ideology. Nobody is just Americans anymore nowadays. You're all you're all put into categories. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, these are just three of the main issues that are facing college campuses today um, that we we tend to cover a lot um, because it's really infecting what the original intent of higher education was to educate people to become contributing citizens, to you know teach them how to you know perform a, a job or do well in a career. Now it's just all become, you know, America's horrible, America's racist, white people are privileged, masculinity is toxic, um, and here's why socialism is the greatest. 
You know, so I think that pretty much sums it up. <laughs> it pretty much sums it up. I and mean, we heard it last night on the debate stage as well. So it seems like it's well, a question from I have to ask. Is it colleges that are creating this this mindset or is it being foisted on the students in college? And that's what they're being taught. And therefore, as you said, being indoctrinated. I think it's, you know, it seems to me that it's the adults doing it. I mean, it's the teachers, right? I mean, I've heard of instances where conservative professors are run out on a rail if they actually speak, you know, speak their mind or have an opinion and they're being fired and aren't getting, um, uh, what do you call, uh, my gosh, I'm going to blank on when they get um, tenure, all these sorts of things. Yeah. Yeah. Is that also going on in college campus? Well, yeah. So, so what's driving this, right? Well, um, you know, for, for many decades, the left has targeted public education as a way to advance their ideology, right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, the the liberals of the '60s have now become, you know, the tenured professors of today, and they're in, and they're the next generation coming up uh, of scholars are even more liberal than than their predecessors. So um, this is one way that that uh, left leaning democratic socialists are trying to advance their ideology in this nation. Um, so study after study or survey after survey shows that, you know, 19 out of 20 liberal arts professors are registered Democrats or registered um, socialists. Uh, you know, you might have one token Republican in, in nature of the humanities fields, right? Now, granted, um, it's, there's more Republicans in the, in the business uh, schools and, and uh, the STEM fields are sort of I would say they're they're not being completely left untouched. Trust me when I say they're being targeted, but mm-hmm. by and large they're they're they are not as targeted as the humanities and the arts and, and sort of the more subjective fields right mm-hmm. now. Um so the uh professors are left leaning, um they teach students what to think instead of how to think. They really only give students one side. I can't tell you I've I've read hundreds of syllabuses over the years. And you read the assigned readings, and they're all one-sided. They never give the kids both sides. Yeah. I mean, I said, let the kids hear both sides and let them decide. You know. Yeah. Um, and look, maybe maybe a handful of professors do. I'm, I do not want to throw the entire profession under the bus. There are some good teachers that really keep politics out of it and, and encourage debate. Um, but I would say a majority of them really only give one side and paint sort of this dire, grim picture of, you know, America, its founding, its ideals, it's what's going on today. Um, uh, and then, you know, again, they tout uh, socialism as an answer. They vilify Republicans. Um, you know, they suggest that uh, America was never great. And, um, you know, these kids eat it up and they don't get the other side. And if parents haven't trained them what to expect in their K-12 years, then they, then they say, oh, my gosh, you know, I'm, being, I'm becoming an enlightened college student. Now I know the truth, Mom, and I'm going to go vote for Bernie. Oh, jeez. On that note, let's take our first break. You're listening to Medicine on Call. From treatment of sinusitis with balloon dilation, to minimally invasive office procedures to correct snoring, Peachtree ENT Center offers state-of-the-art care. We also specialize in price transparency. You'll know the cost of our ENT services before they're rendered, whether you have a high deductible plan 
or no insurance at all. Make an appointment today to find out why Peachtree ENT Center is where patient care counts. Call 404-591-9100 or visit us at peachtreeentcenter.com. This is Dr. George from Medicine on Call. Each week I speak about our healthcare system and the problems with it. One of the main problems is the doctor-patient relationship. I've found that patients really crave time, the time to ask their doctor questions, and physicians crave the time to answer those questions in a thorough manner. Towards that end, Peachtree Ear, Nose, and Throat Center is pleased to announce a new video telemedicine service. We now offer consultation for second opinions and for people who'd like to learn more and ask questions about how to navigate the healthcare system in a cost-effective and efficient manner. Go to peachtreeentcenter.video-visits.com to learn more. Welcome back to Medicine on Call. We're speaking with Ms. Jennifer Cabani, the Editor-in-Chief of The College Fix. Before the break, you were doing a wonderful job of giving an overview of what's going on in, in the college campuses. I have a question about the entire education system. I remember the No Child Left Behind. You know, when we were in school, I mean, I'm not that old, but I do remember learning critical thinking skills. And you said something very important. We always got both sides. We had to have a point-counterpoint. You'd have to have an argument and do research and figure it out. It doesn't seem like that's going on anymore. It's just teaching to take a test, no thought. And if you do have thought, it has to be the same. I mean, it, it used to be that individuals were important. Now it's part of a whole or a group think that seems to be important. Is that right? Are, are you seeing that mindset? I know where everybody's hyphenated all of a sudden, but it's like victims groups, you know, who could be the biggest victim? Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I think I think the socialist bent that we're seeing in our K-12 schools as well as college promotes this collective mentality, right, mm -hmm. where, you know, uh, we all need to pitch in and share. It's very it's a very, you know, socialist Marxist idea where it's the group. Right. Uh, and they vilify the concept of of individualism, which is really one of the pillars of this Western society and and and. Some, the idea that America was founded on, you know, where we're, we're given these um, God-granted rights, mm -hmm. life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and you go out and you work hard and you make something of yourself and you provide for yourself and your family and, and you care about what you do because it's going to benefit your loved ones. So how do you tackle that? How do you how do you convince kids that that's not a good idea? Well, from from preschool on up, it's share, it's give, it's love, and I'm not trying to. You know, poo-poo those, those concepts of, of kindness, of course. But what I'm saying is it's, it's kind of insidious in the way that it's done, um, especially as they get in the middle and high school where you know, they talk about pay, paying your fair share, mm -hmm. income inequality. I mean, can you believe that a lot of scholars today suggest that income inequality is the number one problem facing the globe? And, you know, you think about some of the things that are going on, you know, terrorism and the wars and some of the oppression in third world countries, and you think, really? Income inequality? Yeah. Um, you know, we have a lot of problems facing uh, this nation and, and, this, and this planet, but the trying to separate the have and have nots and get these students to demand, you know, you owe me this, the 1%, the 99%, it all circles back to instilling in young people this concept of, you know, the government has got to be in control. 
so that we can divvy out everything equally and everybody can be equal and it can all be fair. And one of the things I always tell my children, and I, I love saying it, I say it all the time, I'm like, life's not fair. You know, it's going to be tough. You're going to be hurt. It's going to be a challenge, you know. Um, but far too many parents, unfortunately, I think uh, we've heard the term helicopter parenting mm-hmm. and, and the coddling of the American mind. Uh, I mean, maybe we're just raising a generation of wimps, and then they get to college and they get to high school and they eat up this collectivism right up, you know. But, you know, what's really weird about it, it's not equal. Because if you're a white male, you're the worst person in the world. So if it is really about collectivism, then everybody really should be the same, right? But it doesn't seem to be implemented that way. It's the victim groups who get to say that they don't have any kind of personal responsibility because someone did something to them 3,000 years ago. I mean, you know, I'm just being hyperbole. But they don't have a dog in the hunt. What they do doesn't matter because they can never get ahead. How on earth? This is it. just kind of blows my mind with the feeling of the white guilt and, you know, these courses of, you know, you should feel bad just because of the color of your skin. Martin Luther King must be rolling around in his grave since it's no longer about content of character, just what color your skin is. Everything else gets thrown out the window. How on earth can colleges actually exist with that kind of mindset? You are alienating part of your student body. How do they go to school and feel like they don't feel put upon? You know, it's like a, I don't get it. How did it get to that point? Well, I think there it's a divided and conquer mentality, right? Because, again, the minute they get to freshman orientation, they are divided by race, gender, sexuality. Um, you know, they're told white males are the most privileged, and then you go on down the list. Mm-hmm. Um, they're judged by the color of their skin instead of the content of their character, um, and that's the mentality that's advanced on these college campuses. So when you when you when you create this tribalism and you create this animosity and you create this hyphenated American where everybody's something else, right? And we're not in this together. It's very divisive, and it does divide, and it does make people angry, and it feeds into, I think, some of the democratic policies mm-hmm. where you know Democrats take control because they have to fix it. They have to. They're the they're the solution providers, right? Instead of, you know, creating a positive, we're all Americans, we're all in this together, let's work hard, you know, there's great opportunity out there, you know, you can you can make something of yourself. I just finished reading Clarence Thomas's autobiography, My Grandfather's Son, and here is a story of a man who was born in Pinpoint, Georgia, poverty like you wouldn't imagine, and, you know, grew up um, working hard, being taught a hard work ethic, you know, um, Became a, a great uh, intellectual, a lawyer, worked in D.C., and now is a Supreme Court judge. And one of the things that he talks about in his, his, his autobiography is how much he resented being judged by the color of his skin. You know, and he wanted to be known for what he did and what he worked hard at doing mm-hmm. and becoming. And it wasn't about his skin color. It was about his hard work and his intelligence and what he did. To, you know, to 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 achieve. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there is this. There is this resentment that uh, is being found among uh, young people of color who are told, you know, that that they can't achieve without, you know, this help or, or you know, this handout. And it does, it cre- I think it just, it's a very insidious and it sort of eats away at young people and it's driving a wedge in this country. Um, and, and college campuses are guilty of that. They're guilty of tearing us apart and, and the socialist leftist policies that control the discussion on higher education is, is really feeding into 
the divisiveness of it, of America. I mean, look at it's 2019. It's 2019, and we are more divided than ever before. And it's, it's actually kind of sad. I went to college in the, um, you know, the 90s, late 90s, and there was none of this, you know. Mm-hmm. But in the last 10 or 15 years, I feel like there's just been this cultural shift with identity politics really just taken over the liberal arts and driven a wedge between so many, so many Americans. I agree. But I, I think the pendulum has gone is starting to swing back because it's it it's hypocritical, it's toxic, it doesn't even make sense. What strikes me too is that these children, young adults, are are the one percent. They're sitting in the best universities in the country. They're privileged and they have the nerve, their mitigated gall to say that they're not. Makes no sense to me. You know, these are the future leaders in the country. How on earth can you be a victim and you know you're special, but you're Go to a Yale. Yeah. You know, you're you're a you're a victim at Yale and Thank Harvard you. and all these places. You know, it's one of the most prestigious, expensive, wonderful universities in the in the world with a, a library larger than small countries and mm-hmm. you know the world at your fingertips and opportunities galore. And you're a victim. Exactly. I mean, look, you're right. The pendulum is swinging. Why do you think Trump's in office? The reason Trump's in office is because people are kind of sick of it, right? They're sick of the rhetoric, and they're and they're kind of, they're not buying it anymore as mm-hmm. much. Um, so you're right. I think, I think there is a, definitely a pushback, but unfortunately, um, a lot of these elite liberal arts colleges that are producing, you know, tomorrow's leaders, um, are creating these cocoons of indoctrination where, you know, these young people, um, graduate and they, and then they bring their, <laughs> that leftist ideal to the workplace, right? Yeah, so yeah. that's why we see big tech cracking down because the people who are controlling Silicon Valley today, are, you know, the liberal safe space snowflakes that just graduated from Yale and Harvard, right? Yeah. So it's seeping out into the general culture, into our businesses, into our lives. And that's why, um, you know, we have to take what's going on on these college campuses so seriously because it kind of starts there. It starts with the, the education and then it moves out and it continues to spread. On that note, let's take our second break. You're listening to Medicine on Call. You're listening to Medicine on Call, where healthcare, business, and current events connect. What's up, everybody? Bubba here. It's finally here. The long-awaited Bubba Report, bringing you news from all the trading floors across the globe. We've got Scott Chalady, the cow guy, as seen on CNBC, Fox, and Bloomberg. We've got Keith Bliss, CNBC, Fox, and a floor trader at the New York Stock Exchange. We've got the Badger, who writes the hot topics in the political news. We've got myself putting together my own unique indexes that will help you give you a better idea of what's going on in the market. All you need to do to get a hold of the Bubba Report is go to the Bubbashow.org and sign up for the newsletter, or you can email me direct at Bubba at the Bubbashow.org. We want you to have this report because we've got over 150 years of experience talking about markets, getting ready for the trading, and puts you in the best position to have successful. So email me at Bubba at the Bubbashow.org to get a copy of your report or go right to the website, the Bubbashow.org. Make sure you get it. It's a must-have for every investor and trader. The Bubba Report. Welcome back to Medicine on Call. 
I think before the break, we were really getting into the consequences of what's gone on to this point. But didn't the Trump administration actually, uh, or I don't know if they've done it, but they did mention about taking away uh, funding for these universities because there is no free speech. I mean, how on earth are you funding the the mental or, you know, vocal subjugation of students? The university shouldn't be allowed to do that. You're not allowed to do it in, in the real world. They shouldn't be taking money to do that here. And I'm hearing rumblings about maybe pulling the uh, tax-exempt status of some of these universities. I mean, they have endowments bigger than countries, as you described. Why on earth are we giving them money to educate people who want to destroy the country? That makes absolutely no sense. Well, you know, first and foremost, um, you know, they're, they're, college does serve a purpose. And, you know, there there are, again, there are good professors doing good things out there and, and you know, helping to, you know, advance and train kids. So it's, uh, you know, I'd hate this, I, even though I think it's probably beyond reform, um, and I, and I don't think we can do away with, with the higher education system altogether. Um, you know, uh, so it serves a purpose and, it, and it's needed on some levels. But, you know, so can, the question is, can we, can we fix it, right? Um, and Trump, as you mentioned, signed that executive order saying that he would revoke federal funding of universities that don't protect free speech. Mm-hmm. And so thankfully he brought that issue to the national conversation. And that's great. Um, you know, and, and, uh, it is a bit of a, a cloud looming over universities' heads, but the practicality of that being implemented, you know, uh, you know, let's just imagine, you know, Trump, you know, tries to take away, you know, X university's public funding. Think of the children, the children. <laughs> I mean, the mainstream media would hop on that like nobody, you know, the poor children. So, you know, the practicality of, of, of him actually revoking federal funding of a university, I, I think <laughs> remains to be seen. Um, but at least he brought it to the national uh, conversation and really highlighted the problem that, you know, that, that we don't have free speech in America on these college campuses and, and needs to be addressed. And so um, that's, that's an important part of, of what's going on. But it's still, you know, I always tell parents, this is my message to parents because I'm always asked, well, how do we fix higher education, Jen? You know, you're editor of, college, of the college fix. What, mm-hmm. What's the solution? And the solution is parents have to be incredibly proactive in educating their children both sides of the issue because they're not going to get it K-12 and they're not going to get it in college. So, for example, my son, now he's a 20-year-old Marine right now. But when he was growing up, you know, I watched Dinesh D'Souza videos with him. I watched Prager University videos with him. I um, We watched Hillsdale College online, you know, lessons together, um, you know, documentaries debunking climate change or uh, you know, information on, I took them to some intelligent design conferences, right? So essentially I was really making sure that he got everything he wasn't getting in public education so that when he, when he heard this uh, claptrap, he was able to discern it for what it was and already was armed and, and inoculated with the facts that I had given him so that he wouldn't fall for it, right? Mm-hmm. So proactive parenting is the, is, probably the best solution to this problem because we're not, I don't think we're going to change the um, what's going on. These these universities they are too entrenched. I mean, the inmates are running the asylum. It's, 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 I think it's beyond saving, but we as parents can uh, be proactive in not letting our kids teachers be their only teachers and really sort of, you know, giving them the side that they're not getting from their, from their public education teachers and their professors. 
I think you you make an excellent point. That's one method, but what happens when, for example, devil's advocate, the child goes in, they are well-armed, and they have the nerve to speak up, and then they get dinged with a, uh, a bad grade or kicked out of a class. Or, I mean, how do you protect your child from that? Because I mean, there's many children that, you know, I can imagine I would have if I were in this situation. I would stand up for myself and talk and tell the truth. Consequences, kind of whatever. But that's not how most, you know, these situations don't necessarily work out that way. They're being ostracized. They're being removed from campuses. Their whole future can be actually disrupted. That, to me, is something bigger than, you know, just something that's uh, qualitative. That's a quantitative change in your in your future. What happens when that happens? Do people take this university to court? And that's expensive and disruptive as well. You know, what if parents, aside from being proactive before they get in, what happens after? Well, you know, students do face a choice. By the time they're in college, they're adults. And they can play the game, right, and just kind of keep their head down and give the professors what they want. And you know what? I don't want to – that's a viable option. You know, mm-hmm. you, sometimes you just want to get in and get out and play the game, and you, you don't buy into their you know, their crap, but you just – whatever. You give them what they want, and you get your diploma, and you're out, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but you're right. There there are there should and are, are protections for students who, who want to speak up and uh, are docked by their grades or attacked by their peers. Um, you know, one one solution is to go to your professor's dean and report them. And I did have a, a student – um, at American University who was docked on their uh, essays for, for speaking their mind, and they went to the dean, and you know what? It was addressed, and they actually had their grades raised. I'm not going to say that's going to happen all the time, but you can you can go to their superiors because I think one thing that uh, college, colleges don't want is bad press. And with websites <laughs> like the College Fix who report on, um, you know, some of the shenanigans going on, I think they're more open to addressing these issues now more than ever because we're shining the light. And sunshine is one of the best disinfectants, right? Yeah. But uh, it is a problem, and I and there's no easy answer, and there's no perfect solution. I mean, students have to be strong, and they have to be brave. Um, and they, and and if they and if they want to take a stand, there's going to be consequences. And but that's life, right? Um, and hopefully, if they're wronged, they can address it through the proper channels. And it's unfortunate that they have to do that. Um, but uh, you you know, and there's there's a lot of uh, Campus groups that are becoming more emboldened. One of the main ones I can think of is Turning Point USA. Mm-hmm. Uh, with uh, kids, they wear like socialism sucks T-shirts, and a lot of the young people nowadays are waking, wearing Make America Great hat again to school, um, even though it's, it's asking for trouble. But you know, I think I think some young people are actually kind of getting sick and tired of being um, bullied and are are, are growing a backbone. Conservative kids are the counterculture now, right? They're the counterculture. It used to yeah. be. Uh, that, you know, that the young punks were the ones, but now, no, it's actually kind of edgy to be conservative. So I That's think many of them are embracing that role and it's great. I, I pray for more because ultimately it's about language. You know, there's been a co-opting of what words mean and it's been insidious and really kind of ingenious because the word progressive, you would think it's liberal, it's libertarian, it's individual choice and power. And it's actually the opposite. It's if you are an individual, they're coming for you. And you need to keep your mouth shut. And it's all about control and totalitarianism. And I think, you know, part of breaking the cycle is to speak, tell people, or I should say, actually 
tell people what it really is instead of going along with their language out it for what it is it's not liberalism it's the opposite it's not everybody it's not group you know everybody group get ahead it's about divide and conquer like you said or some people being more equal than others that seems to be very much the case and I, again i'll go back to when i was in college i was really conservative when i entered college you know my mom and dad had their own businesses it was pull yourself up by your bootstraps doesn't matter what color you are just be as good as you can and work hard when i left college i was completely liberal the opposite you know and i was even of the mindset that healthcare is a right you know all sorts of stuff that i thought until i opened my own practice and i had to make a payroll and i had to actually be an adult it totally switched you know so i don't know what goes on the college campuses but at least it was passive back in the day now it's almost they coerce you into doing it and I, I agree. You can handle it a lot of different ways, but if it comes down to something where it's physical, and you see what's going on in California, there's, you know, Molotov cocktails and it's violent and people are getting hit. That to me should be stopped. Like there's, that's a line that should not be crossed, and universities need to be held responsible for something like that. Well, you, you hit the nail on the head. It is about control, and it is about altering the language in order to control the, the population. It's very Orwellian. Mm-hmm. You know, most of these campuses nowadays, they have these uh, inclusive language guides, right? And they tell the students what, what they should and shouldn't say. And then they have these bias response teams so that if a student does say something that's not politically correct, you know, they could be reported to the dean and the dean brings them in for a, you know, quote unquote, educational conversation. Oh and so it's, it's actually a very oppressive uh, atmosphere in these college campuses where these kids are walking on eggshells, afraid to say or do anything that will offend anyone, unless they're dragged into the dean's office. And what is it? And what what kind of, of, of example does that that lead? Well, when they get into the general public after they get their diploma, and they've kind of been ingrained to keep their mouth shut and not do anything to say or do or upset anyone, mm-hmm. um, that's how the left then gains more control, right? Because they're the loudest voice, they're the squeaky wheel, right. nobody has the backbone to stand up to them and, and tell them the truth, and then um, you know that's how they gain more control and more power, and they encroach further and further. And again, that's, I, I think, why Trump won and why he'll probably win again, because there's so many people that are finally like, enough is enough, you know, we're done. Uh, we're going to say what we want, and maybe your feelings are hurt and whatever. But <laughs> the, the problem is it's still on, on college campus. It's still very much, you know, an oppressive watch what you say uh, culture and, and atmosphere. And um, thankfully, like I said, a lot of, a lot of kids are, are standing up for themselves, but far too many just sort of try to survive. <laughs> it's like a survive <laughs> mentality. Um, but, uh, you know, if parents, you know, again, parents, any parents, grandparents that are listening, talk to your kids, give them the other side of the story. Um, arm them with facts. Now, now you you said you turned a little bit liberal after college. I did. But then, as the as the old saying goes, uh, if you're not if you're not a liberal when you're young, you have no heart. And if you're not a liberal or if you're not a conservative when you're <laughs> older, you have no brain, right? So <laughs> I suppose that's that's kind of one a common sort of um, uh, curve that we see among among people in general. But uh, uh, you came back around, and and you know, I, I at the end of the day, I want to keep an upbeat, positive attitude. Yes, our institutions of higher education are a complete train wreck, but we're we're out there fighting the good fight. And, you know, there's states passing campus free speech laws. There's Trump passing his executive order. There's young people on campuses that are, you know, finally standing up and saying enough, enough, and wearing shirts, proudly proclaiming, you know, what they feel and believe. 
So, you know, we'll just keep we'll just keep fighting the good fight and we'll see what happens. I kind of like that. And on that note, let's take our last break. You're listening to Medicine on Call. From treatment of sinusitis to balloon dilation to minimally invasive office procedures to correct snoring, Peachtree ENT Center offers state-of-the-art care. We also specialize in price transparency. You'll know the cost of our ENT services before they're rendered, whether you have a high deductible plan or no insurance at all. Make an appointment today to find out why Peachtree ENT Center is where patient care counts. Call 404-591-9100 or visit us at peachtreeentcenter.com. Are you having problems with persistent bad breath, constant throat clearing, hoarseness, a cough that won't go away, a sore throat, or a feeling that something's always stuck in your throat? Why not find out what the problem is so it can be fixed? At Peachtree ENT Center, we believe in taking time to work with our patients as a team to get to the root of the problem. Make an appointment today to see why Peachtree ENT Center is where patient care counts. Call 404-591-9100 or visit us at peachtreeentcenter.com. You can catch the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify, and a host of other multimedia platforms. Subscribe and share it with your friends. Welcome back to Medicine on Call. Um, before the break, we were talking about how you know some upbeat stuff. Let's aside from that. Is there anything that you can think of that that we not not parents, not students, as society could maybe do to help push this pendulum back towards the center? Uh, you know, there's always you can join the media, the the social media conversation. You know, mm-hmm. uh, whether that convinces hearts and minds, I think remains to be seen. But, you know, if we're engaged in the culture, um, I think, I mean, I think that we can't let the culture just um, be controlled by the left. And that's another important battleground. I mentioned in the beginning, higher education is one of the, you know, public education is one of the battlegrounds and culture is another big battleground. You know, you can write letters to the editor. You can call your local lawmakers. I mean, that's so cute. My, um, my stepmother constantly calls her local lawmakers and, and gives them, you know, gives them a what for, you know, and I, I think that can that can have an effect, you know, so being active and being politically engaged, vote, you know, again, um, take part in, in the conversation, pray, I mean, if, 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 if I may, you know, pray, mm-hmm. um, you know, and be the change you want to see in the world, I guess, I mean, uh, I think I think it's a, it's a variety. It's a myriad of things that we can all do to sort of help, um, you know, keep this country great, keep America great. Um, because at the end of the day, it is the best country in in the world, and it was founded on these amazing ideals. And it, it was the only. It was an experiment back then, right? You know, no other country had been ever founded on this concept of freedom and liberty. Um, and equality and you know it wasn't perfect back then but we're striving for that and we've tried to right some of the wrongs over the years and we're still we're still working toward that but if we can just you know remind people uh of what this country stands for and and the beacon of hope that it is for the world i mean that's why people are dying to get here right crossing yeah. deserts and risking their lives to get here right so 
um, you know, sometimes when we have these, these fights and, and they're rhetorical and, and they get a little ugly and, and, you know, that's unfortunate and I'm not a huge fan of that, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, we can also, you know, there's a, there's, there's a time and a place for that, but there's also a time and place to just have that positive conversation, um, have those conversations with your peers, your friends, your neighbors, um, call, you know, and, and just be proactive and do your part, um, do your part as an American, uh, to, Again, keep this country great. I think you're right. I mean, it's it's a it's been a one-sided conversation, but again, I'm not so sure it's so much one-sided or what's being highlighted. I think the media has a very powerful footprint here where you don't ever really hear the counterpoint, the counterargument, the other side. Like the camera's focused on the drama, but if they were to turn to the opposite side and actually interview somebody who didn't feel that way, you would get a second opinion. And I think the media is, it needs to be called out. And I mean, what we're doing now is counter that. And your website is counter that. And that's, I think it's, people don't know that it exists. They can't really seek alternative um, information and ideas. And that's really what's neat about your website. And people really they should go to the collegefix.com because it's just a wealth of information. It's not, it's just, tons of articles, and they're all taken from different different universities all across the country. Am I correct? So that's correct. So we, we you know, every story that's on our website is shows kind of paints a picture of the broad stroke brush of what's happening at colleges across the country. And if you are in a particular state, you can search in our archives for your particular university or the state issues that you want and you know, all the articles that we've covered from your regional pop-up. Um, but we're constantly covering, you know, every little thing that happens that is uh, affecting higher education and hoping to sound the alarm. Well, it's it's not drama-filled, I should say. It's it's the facts, which also makes it great. Yes. And and it, you have videos as well. Don't you have, like, a people can go to YouTube and actually see some of the, the videos that, have, that people put up? Yeah, so I should mention the second half of our of – our, uh, the nonprofit that runs the, you know, that publishes the College Fix is we train college students. You know, you talk about the problem with the media. Mm-hmm. Well, what we're doing is we're training college students how to be reporters. And I appreciate that you noticed that our website doesn't use a lot of hyperbole because we do. We try to teach them how to report the who, what, where, when, and why. Um, you know, give both sides a chance to comment and then just publish, you know, straight news articles written by college students. And then we parlay their experience. We you know, set them up with internships in D.C. And we're creating the next generation of libertarian, uh, open, independent-minded journalists to help. You know, so we're not only doing, you know, uh, reform on the campus, but we're trying to do some reform in the mainstream media as well and, and creating another um, generation of, of journalists that we can trust to tell mm-hmm. us you know, what's going on without the bias or the slant. Um, so what we see as news is where I suppose you could say the subjectivity comes in. Because a lot of stuff, what we're covering on the college fix, isn't going to be covered by the campus newsstream, new, campus newspapers, the mainstream um, press. So we're telling stories that aren't being told um, and, you know, uh, trying to train up journalists. So it's a win-win, right? <laughs> yeah, and it's a great read. I mean, it's just refreshing to actually get the point of view and the facts from people who are there. I mean, I'm in healthcare, medicine. We don't get the luxury a lot of times of telling our story. Someone's always telling our story for us, you know, and 
they have a dog in the hunt, they have a point of view, and they try to paint it any way they want to make us as physicians the bad people, the reason for the healthcare costs. And I'm sure the same thing goes on with the left-leaning, you know, journalists who want to talk about identity politics as the future. And the fact that they're being racist when they're calling, you know, white males are the problem, and everybody should just jump on white people because they're the enemy. I mean, that is racist. No one calls it out. It's just like it's just matter of fact. And this actually is a way for people to get a perspective. And my, most people don't believe this. I honestly think that people are not feeling this, but they just put their head down. They go to work. They don't complain. And these guys are the only ones with the megaphone. And it makes it sound like everybody thinks that way. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's, we're definitely, um, have a problem with, with the narrative and how the media controls the narrative. And, um, you know, so we're trying to, to counteract and battle that. But it, it is, it is a problem because when the media controls the narrative, right, they control the propaganda and it influences what, you know, some people call the low information voter, right? Yeah. And so, you know, they vote out of emotion instead of actually having, you know, uh, all the facts. And, and informed logical opinion on the matter. So, I mean, it, 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 we're definitely fighting against, you know, David or Goliath kind of situation. But uh, again, I think, I think hopefully with social media and, you know, sign up for the College Fixes newsletter and we, and we send out twice a week some of our best stories. And there's other, uh, there's other different kinds of similar organizations that are popping up, kind of saying enough is enough and, and wanting to sort of um, tell their stories and, and get the truth out. The problem is, and we talked about this earlier, is big tech coming in with their algorithms, mm-hmm. you know, uh, trying to control what, you know, you Google something and what's those first page of results. I always tell people, go to the second page, go to the third page. Don't always trust that first link, you know, because, um, you know, Google, it's been proven, is run by, you know, left-wingers too, right? Yeah. Not just the campuses. So, you know, you got to search out that information and shows like yours uh, are helping to, to remind people of that. Um, but whew, it's an uphill battle. It is, but I don't think it's, I think it's winnable. I think it's in the process of getting more powerful because it's, it's so negative and destitute and nobody wants to be in that space. How can somebody be in a victim space 24 seven? It's exhausting. And I it think it must be. I, I mean, it really must that be. Way. <laughs> like, I feel bad for these guys. Every time you turn and around miserable. the corner. they're I, I know mean, they are. you know, these little snowflakes on college campuses, they're just so angry. I mean, they, <laughs> they have so much opportunity before them. They're so incredibly blessed. There is just so much. And they're just so angry. I mean, it really is like some cognitive dissonance where you're just like, you know, the only yeah. thing I can think of, they're just, they're just thinking with their emotions, you know, really not, not much more than that. And they're buying into this victimhood mentality, unfortunately. Because it's it's like a badge of honor. I don't know if you know this, but psychologists have shown that being a victim has now become a badge of honor psychologically. <laughs> Are you serious? Right? So, <laughs> I mean, there is a reward. There is a reward to being a victim. And, and I know it is exhausting. And, it, frankly, that's one of their favorite things to say, I'm so exhausted. <laughs> but then again, there is this, this psychological payout because people, you know, celebrate victims and, yeah. um, you know, that's, that's kind of hold them up. It's like dopamine then, you know, it's like this uh, Pavlov response. You just get a, a positive euphoric and then you're destitute again. I mean, it's, I can't even, but you know, it's up to us to stop placating them, honestly. You know, if someone says they have an issue or, or you're a racist and you know you're not, I don't care what you think. You know, I find that that shuts the, that argument down faster than you can say boo. You can't reason with folks. 
So you have to just say, I don't care what you think. And then it's over because they can't engage you. They want to engage you and make you just as miserable as they are. And I think they they tread on people being nice. You know, we're we're all, you know, for most of part, we're raised to be cordial, to be nice to people, to be accommodating. And that's what they play on. And I think we just need to stop engaging with them. Let them be miserable by themselves and move on. (laughs) That's my personal take on it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, and I, I say these, these college presidents, you know, because a lot of times when, when the students have a conniption fit, the college presidents are like, oh, I'm so sorry, and we're going to create this safe space over here, and it's all our fault, and we're going to hire eight more new diversity officers, and we're going to implement, you know, $100,000 worth of programs to support you and everything. <laughs> and it just it grows that diversity bureaucracy. It, it validates them, and it just creates more and more and more. As a parent, I say when your kids are having a tantrum, don't give in because you're just going to get another tantrum. Exactly. <laughs> I don't think it's a lesson these college presidents have learned yet. So <laughs> no. I always tell them to grow a backbone and stop being so yellow-bellied. You know, on that note, I can't say anything more. You just dropped the mic on that. Um, I want to <laughs> thank you so much for coming on. It's, it's been an absolute pleasure talking with you. I've learned a great deal, and I know my listeners have too. Um, how can they reach you if they want to, you know, first of all, go to the website? Is there any places that you recommend people go to find your information or aside from the the website? Sure. So, I mean, we have a a College Fix Facebook page. If you could like that, that would be fabulous. Follow us on Twitter at collegefix.com or at collegefix is our handle. Um, You know, we do have a, 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 bi-weekly newsletter. I try not, I mean, I'm not one of those ones that email you constantly like five times a day. You know, I, I pick out some of our top stories twice a week and I, and I stick to that. So sign up for our newsletter. And then I'm over at Twitter at Jennifer Cabani as well. If anybody wants to follow me, I chime in here and there with some stuff. <laughs> well, I'd love for you to come back. Anything new and you want to get out there and let people know about, you're welcome anytime to come back on. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. And thank you so much for what you do because you're, you're a warrior right alongside us. So thank you so much. This is a good fight, and I'm happy to be in it with you. Thank you so much for coming on. Anytime. And thank you for listening to Medicine on Call. Revolutionary Talk for Revolutionary Times. Liberty Talk FM.